Hello and welcome to the Hallelujah podcast. I'm your host Grace and I am beyond excited to have you here today. At Hallelujah, our mission is to provide a space where you can grow in your faith, be encouraged and gain an understanding of God's word. Well, hello, my dear friends. In our episode today, sharing my testimony, we're going to be going into detail about my story of coming to Christ. During our last episode, we went into the importance of our testimony and what the Bible says about it. So of course, it's only fitting for me to share my testimony with you as well. I very briefly shared my testimony that I read at my baptism a few years ago back in episode three, but I really feel like sharing my full testimony here where I have more time and I can go into more detail about my life growing up as a kid. Uh, falling away from my faith and what it's looked like in terms of my encounter with coming back to Jesus as a prodigal and what my life has looked like after that as well. I have such a heart for encouraging people no matter how far along they are in their faith journey or even if they're not Christians yet as well. And I think as Christians and even non-Christians, we can all learn from each other in terms of where we've been, the mistakes we've made and how we live out our faith and life in Jesus as well. So I really hope you're blessed by this episode today. And as always, please don't hesitate to reach out if you have any questions or you want to chat about it more as well, because I would love to hear from you and be able to just to, yeah, be, be that support and a listening ear for you as well. So we will start off with my early life and a bit of a brief intro into what that looked like and what it was like growing up for me. So I grew up in a Christian home with two beautiful parents and I was very fortunate to grow up with a mom and dad who really loved my brother and I and did all that they could to give us a good life and raise us in a faithful and God honoring and loving home. I went to a Christian school and I was a pretty sweet and quiet child. I had a very soft and gentle personality and I had a really close relationship with my dad growing up. And my mom and I connected a lot in our or in my younger years as well, when I'd play family with my dollhouse or just do painting as well. So when I finished grade one, uh, because we lived so far away and were so isolated from all of our family, we moved about 12 hours away to a different state in Australia. Once we moved up here, I was no longer in a Christian school which didn't really matter in primary school, but you could definitely start to tell the difference as I got older. We moved house a few times and ended up settling in our family home, which we lived in for about 10 years or so. I had friends in school, but I wouldn't say I was particularly close to them. Um, They certainly weren't like the beautiful Christian friends that I'd had in primary school. And yeah, that I think in the friendship groups and the people that I was surrounded by definitely was quite different in a state public school. And I think, to be honest, I always just felt a little bit out of place. I had no identity and I didn't know who I was. And I wouldn't say that I had people around me who really knew or valued me for who I was as well. I wasn't planted in a good church community either with any solid friends or mentors. And I think this really influenced where I went over the next few years as well. I didn't have much of a personal relationship with God. And some of you who've grown up in a Christian home may relate to this, but I kind of knew of God from my parents' faith. And of course I'd heard Bible stories and I was going to youth group and stuff, but I wouldn't say that I had a personal relationship with God and and knew him myself. So that was primary school, pretty ordinary experience, just all the stuff that, you know, kids go through. But high school, on the other hand, well, I was a little rascal in grade eight. I made friends with this girl who was very well known for wagging school, doing drugs and just being a bit of a nuisance in class. And as I say, the people that you spend the most time with, you become like. 
So I was speaking back to teachers. I was acting like an absolute muppet in class and I was in no way, shape or form that gentle, sweet girl that I grew up being when I was younger. I think it's such a hard age and you've got all these changes going on in your body and you're just trying to work out who you are. You're trying to make an impact in the grade that you're in and it's just such a massive change going into high school. And I was still going to church camps in the summer and church with my family on Sundays, but I think it was probably more out of obligation than anything. I felt like I was living these two different lives because on one hand, I called myself a Christian and went to church, but I was also trying to navigate living life in the world without God from that high school side of things with the friends that I was with and even the music that I was listening to, movies that I was watching. So at that point in time, I really had one foot in the world and I was incredibly lukewarm as a Christian. From around grade eight at home, uh, I had a really tough time and it's not something that I want to get into detail on. It's it's not really beneficial and for privacy reasons as well. But at home, we had about eight or nine years of uh, really, really tough conditions to live in and I took on the brunt of a lot of it in my own way and I was so unbelievably overwhelmed with everything going on at home and I just had no one to lean on or any healthy coping mechanism either. I started self-harming in grade eight and this continued on for probably the best part of seven or eight years and it was the only comfort that I had and my heart breaks for anyone out there who has struggled with self-harm or currently is when you feel so out of control and numb in life it's the only thing you feel like you can have control over and it makes you feel something when you feel like you can't feel any emotions and you're just numb and it's so sad and it and if this is something that you struggle with I'd really encourage you to reach out to someone you trust and tell them so you can start to get help. I personally never opened up about it to anyone and to this day I have no idea if anyone actually ever knew but it was only by the grace of God that I stopped a few years ago when I came to Christ. So yeah, definitely encourage you to to reach out and get and get help because it is it's not something you should be going through alone. And all up until this point, I would have definitely called myself a Christian and to an extent, I guess I still was um, to the best of my ability at the time. I was going to church with family and I was, you know, praying every night and I wasn't actively living against God at this point in time. So even though I didn't feel like I had a really close personal relationship with Jesus, I think I was doing the best that I could at that time. But anyway, if we move forward to grade 10, this is where it all starts to get a little bit more full on in terms of my falling away from faith. And grade 10 would have hands down been one of the hardest years of my life. I was doing rowing in school and I was training probably about seven or eight times a week outside of school and I was just absolutely exhausted. Life at home was hard. Um, I was just awfully depressed and burnt out and when I wasn't at home, I was busting my gut at rowing, which I think actually was a really helpful outlet for me, but I was so tired by the time I got to school that I would just fall asleep in class and I'd get home and struggle to do any work outside of school. And all I wanted to do was just sleep and be alone. And I think this was probably the year, um, one of, one of my lowest points. And I would say I was definitely definitely suicidal in that year and I don't I don't think I would have ever actually done anything because I felt 
too guilty to do that to my family. But I, I, I just wanted to end it. I, I was, I was so done at that point. I felt so alone and I felt so lost. And I remember time and time again, I'd be out rowing on the river by myself and I, I was just sobbing. I was completely, completely overwhelmed, completely at my end. And I was just so exhausted from trying to take on the weight of the world myself. And I had no outlet for what I was feeling. There was no hope and there was no end date for my suffering. So it was like I could only be caught up in my emotions at that one point in time. I found it really hard to let anyone in as well. So I definitely felt like and was going at it completely alone. My whole family was also going through their own world of pain with what was going on. And that meant that I didn't want to ask my parents for help because I knew that they had enough on their plate. No doubt in my mind, they could have made space. You always get extra capacity for those you love when you need it. But I just felt like I needed to take care of myself because no one else would. So I just put up these huge walls and to this day I'm still working to to work through that and and break a lot of those down too but yeah I really put up walls and just thought no one can take care of me I'm in this alone I have to take care of myself so I really probably got quite kind of hard and just cut off to other people and to the world and and God as well and looking back now my heart just breaks myself at that point in time because they're the moments where having a close relationship with God is so powerful. When you feel so alone, God is there. He is always there and we are never alone. And I love Isaiah 41 verse 10, which says, Do not be afraid for I am with you. Don't be discouraged for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. You know, God's presence is always around us and always available. He loves us so dearly and he never wants us to be alone. And we have direct access to him, but all we have to do is get to that point where we can cry out and lay down our pride and surrender ourselves. So during high school and the years after university, I went through about four relationships all back to back with only a few weeks in between over the space of probably six or seven years. Two of them were over two years in duration. So both of them were quite serious long-term relationships. During my first serious relationship, I, I was in a pretty low place and I was trying to work out what life after school looked like. And to be honest, I just felt so exhausted and depressed after school that I basically took a gap year and slept for all of it. I did a bit of babysitting, hung out with my boyfriend at the time and just tried to recover and, and make it through. But I, I felt so stuck. I didn't know what I wanted to do in the future. I was just miserable over all the time, overwhelmed. I just, I had no purpose. I had no hope. So I was really quite stuck that year. And the group of friends uh, that we had at the time were really big partiers. So there was lots of drinking and drugs around on the weekends. So drinking became a new coping mechanism for me and something I was very drawn to. And I was just completely diving into that lifestyle. We'd go out to parties, we would drink absurd amounts and I just would end up being blackout drunk time and time again every weekend. And I honestly just look back and I thank God for still being with me in those moments, even when I didn't know it. His incredible hand of protection was always around me. But I I look back and I, I know I was just feeling a hole when you feel so alone and empty and you're just 
scrambling to fill that void inside you and whether it was a boyfriend drinking the friends I was surrounded by or anything else I just always came up feeling empty and I think that's something that a lot of people can relate to as well and I think we all have that inbuilt feeling or even just longing to feel whole and complete and we will never find that in anything but God it's it's Jesus that that fills that hole so for anyone in that moment where you're just at that rock bottom or or getting there just know that there is hope and and Jesus will give you that freedom that you're looking for in terms of uh, talking about my life at the time and the space that I was at, I'm reminded of John 15, 4-5, which says, Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. And this is such a powerful verse. I was bearing terrible fruit in my life at that time and it really was just showing what was going on inside and what was happening in my heart and that was coming out in physical effects. Apart from Christ, it's clear that we can do nothing because branches get their sustenance from the vine, right? That's how they grow. So no wonder we feel dead if we aren't abiding in him. So skip forward a couple of years and at this point I have, out of doubt, completely walked away from my faith. I'm living a life of deception and sin completely in the world and had no interest in God. I was in an ungodly relationship, living in sin in that area as well. And that just had so many flow on effects and I was lying to the people around me about the life I was living. On one hand, I'm portraying this image of, yep, yep, you know, I'm, I'm still a Christian, this or that, but I was lying to myself because the Bible talks about how if we're lukewarm, God will spit us out of his mouth. So better to be hot or cold than lukewarm. And I, at that point, was pretty lukewarm. So I was just living in an absolute lie. And something I remember strongly was years and years ago, probably when I was a couple of years outside of school, and I was in the car with my mum, and she said something about how I wasn't a Christian. And she was explaining to me how you can't be fully living away from God and still call yourself a Christian, which is true. But far out, I remember being so offended when she said that. And I was just appalled at the boldness she had when she said that. And of course, it was a fair call at that time because I was essentially calling myself a Christian because I grew up with that and would maybe occasionally pray and say, oh, sorry, God, that I, you know, did this sin again. But every time I would just say, oh, sorry, God, and then do it again and again and again. So it was never true repentance because true repentance is to turn the other way. Repentance is doing. It's it's an action. It goes more than just thinking we maybe want to stop this one thing or just going, oh, you know, sorry, God, feeling a bit guilty. And God's grace covers us, sure, but we cannot continue actively living in sin with no repentance. The Bible says to walk out our salvation with fear and trembling and we really have to constantly check ourselves and check that we are repentant and we are living a life that is honoring and bringing glory to God. But anyway, even though the relationship that I was in at the time started pretty well in the beginning, with time it just got worse and worse. And even though my mom, who was beautiful Christian woman and so strong in her faith, never said anything directly to me about it. I just knew that 
it wasn't what she wanted for me. And I, I always remember it was, I had this thing kind of in the back of my head or my stomach and it was, I just had this nagging feeling. It's like, I just knew in the future that one day I would marry a Christian man. It was, it's like I could, you know, it's not seeing into the future. Like it, it's, I know now it's that, that Holy Spirit, maybe like a word of knowledge, but I just, I knew, I just knew my soul was settled and I knew that one day I would, I would marry a Christian man, which was so weird to me at the time because obviously I wasn't dating a Christian and I certainly wasn't living a pure God honoring life and I had no intentions of coming back. But I remember really vividly that just being in the back of my head. So that's something that I always clung on to. And, you know, I guess I look back now and I just go, oh, well, that was clearly a God moment. But anyway, I digress. So there was one day at work and I promise we're getting close to the good part, but I had just had a shocker of a day at work. Uh, I was in an incredibly toxic workplace at the time and my lovely boss had just had his farewell party and I'd just been drinking heaps and feeling super emotional. And I was on my way to see my boyfriend at the time and I ended up just breaking down in tears when I saw him and I was so overwhelmed and I didn't have it in me to explain what was going on. I just kind of wanted him to know, but we ended up having this massive fight that night. I walked out and I slept in another room for the night. And that next day I ended up just walking out in tears after another big fight and it all just kind of blew up. So we had a few days of not talking and eventually we organized to meet at a park and chat. As soon as I got there, I knew what was coming. (laughs) We both knew that I think we just reached a point where there'd been so much damage done and we used to fight a fair bit and we, you know, you always kind of, you know, fight, fight and make up. But this time it was just different and it was no longer profitable for either of us. So we broke up and while it was sad for both of us, we loved each other and we both knew I think it was the right decision. But this is where it gets good and the tables turn for me. So we said goodbye. I walked back to the car. I opened the door and sat down and bam, the presence of God, it just fell on me. It just completely came over me. And it was like nothing I have ever experienced in my life. I don't even have the words to try to describe it, but it was, it was just love, complete whole love in its purest, purest form. And I could just tangibly feel the presence of God around me, just the atmosphere of God. It was like, it was a weight around me. It's like I could have waved my arm in the air and physically felt it. And it was like I, it was like I was home. I just felt completely and utterly overwhelmed with this sense of peace. And Philippians 4, 7 says, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And this was it. I had absolutely no reason to have peace. My boyfriend of two years and I had just broken up and I was lost. Yet at the same time, I was found. And without any intention to come back to God, it just hit me like a truck. And God was all that I wanted. The barrier that I had been fighting against for so long was shattered. For years, I had put God on the back burner so that I could pursue ungodly relationships and living in sin and being of the world. But that was just shattered. And I no longer had any reason to deny God. All of the barriers were gone and my heart was just longing for him. And I just had a complete moment of surrender going, 
going, okay, God, I'm yours. Here I am. I I have nothing left. I'm all yours. And I have never felt the presence of God like I did on that day. And that was my encounter. I had such a strong desire to put worship music on and that whole way driving home, I I remember just crying but praising Jesus. And I had no idea where to from here, but all I knew was that I was home and that this was the start of my journey. So I spent the next three days in bed just <laughs> crying. Um, but within a week, I'd, I'd turned a corner for the better and all power and glory to God for getting me through that period of grief so quickly. That week, I had a friend at work who I knew was a Christian and I didn't really know where to start back on my journey, but I was searching and I wanted more and I was just slowly opening up my heart and seeking God. So I asked her what church she went to and it was Hillsong in the city. And I asked if I could just come along on Friday after work to the youth service that they had. We went together on that Friday night and keeping in mind, the breakup was only a few days old. So I was still pretty raw and emotional in my grief and at the end of the service when everyone was just chatting hanging out this beautiful girl next to me who I had never met before just turns to me and says that she felt prompted by God to speak to me and said he sees you he sees you he sees you and she just kept repeating this to me and I was overcome with emotion and tears and I just cried and cried and cried as she spoke that over me and it was doing such a deep healing inside of me. I had felt so incredibly alone in my battles and struggles for so long and here is this girl on my first night back in church in eight or so years and she's got a word directly from God for me. It was so beautiful and I remember it vividly and I I wish I could find her again or just tell her what a huge impact in, in coming back to Christ that that had on me, but it just cut right through everything and it spoke directly into the place where I needed it to be. I love 1 Peter 5, 6, 7, which says, humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God so that at the proper time he may exalt you, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. We need to walk in humility and recognize the work of God in our lives, putting away our pride and surrendering to God's purpose for our lives. When I reached that place of full surrender, that's when God could move. I had finally stopped and allowed myself to go, okay, God, here I am. My my mind and my heart was just soft and ready to receive. And that's really the position that we have to be in to be able to receive from God. And that's why so many people meet God in those lowest moments of their life. For some people, it is at the highest, but it's often those low moments where we just, we reach out to God and we cry out to him. And he is so faithful in coming through in those moments. One beautiful passage that I always come back to is Matthew 18, 12 to 14, and also Luke 15, 3 to 7, which is the parable of the lost sheep. In this parable, we essentially hear about a loving shepherd who leaves his 99 sheep in search of that one who is lost. And God himself in this parable is a shepherd. So he is our heavenly shepherd and Jesus is a shepherd who came to earth and we are his flock. The 99 sheep are those who are in Christ and in both parables, it talks about the nature of man, which is to stray, to fall short and to sin. And the shepherd's purpose is to seek, to call, to carry and to save the sheep. We see the joy of the shepherd in leaving his 99 to find that one, that single one sheep, which is a single repentant sinner. In Luke 15 verse 7, it says, Jesus says, I tell you that in the same way, there will be more rejoicing in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who do not need to repent. 
And I just praise God every day by his grace that relationship ended and that was such a clear path for me to come back to him. I had so many people in my life praying for me, going about for me, and I truly believe that it was their prayers and movement in the spirit that brought everything into alignment so that I could meet God again. That is the story of coming back, and it's been about three years since then when I did come back to Christ. It has been the best three years of my life without a shadow of a doubt. The first year or so, I was very much in the process of sanctification and having come from a life of drinking, living in sin and being surrounded by non-Christians, it was naturally quite a big change for me to come back to Christ. But after that moment of accepting and choosing to follow Jesus, I didn't want to continue living that old life. My old desires were gone and even though I wasn't perfect on day one and it took months and years for some things I just it was coming out of a place of complete love and and just thankfulness for what Jesus had done so so it was part of that process where I I naturally wanted to to change and I just had this beautiful joy about me all of those years of depression and self-harm and feeling alone and suicidal and just completely lost it just the change just broke it was like coming back to Jesus it just broke and it was so so powerful in my life anyway I digress so I was talking about sanctification and for anyone who hasn't heard of sanctification before it's the process that comes after salvation so salvation is the gift from God Ephesians 2 8 to 9 says God saved you by his grace when you believed And you can't take credit for this. It's a gift from God. So it's God's incredible grace alone that saves us. Even though our faith may waver in seasons of hardship, God guards our salvation. Our salvation, so that's the moment we become a Christian. But sanctification is a lifelong process in which we become more like Jesus through the Holy Spirit's work inside of us. And this continues on and our faith is perfected until the day that we die. Philippians 1.6 says, And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. I love this so much. God is so good. He is so faithful and guides us in everything that we do. It's just overwhelming to think about sometimes. We do not serve a God who is far away and distant, but we serve a God who cares about us so much that he will actively partake in our lives and help us become more and more like Jesus. Every other religion in the world is works-based, so the actions that you do and take save you, but in Christianity, it is faith-based, so it's by God's grace that we are saved and nothing you could ever ever do would ever even come close to earning salvation but from that place of absolute gratitude for what god has done for us our works are a tangible outworking of what is going on inside james 2 talks about this and how faith without works is dead our actions are the byproduct of living faith and they naturally come where you have been transformed by the holy spirit Our works don't make us righteous before God, but it's the fruit in our lives that grows when we are obedient to his commands and are transformed by his grace. So in line with speaking about fruit, after I got through the first initial few months of going to Hillsong, I decided to get planted in a church that was a little bit closer to home. And I went to the local one that my mum had been going to for years. And I joined a Bible study. I surrounded myself with people who would help me grow and had the beautiful pastor's wife of our church mentor me. And I was lucky enough to meet a few good friends there who were such a blessing at the time. And God has slowly brought more people into my life over the course 
course of the past few years. It is such a vital part of my journey and I think the journey for anyone coming back to Christ or even coming to Christ for the first time just to get planted in life groups and spend time serving and more time around good Christians. And they have encouraged me. They've helped me grow. They've corrected me in areas where I've gone astray and they've really shown me what it looks like to follow Jesus. I got baptized about 10 months into my walk and it was the best thing that I ever did. And I go into more detail about that process in episode three. So feel free to jump back and listen to that later if you're interested, because baptism was the most powerful thing in my life and it set me free of so many things. But I am just eternally grateful for the foundation that I had in my life with already having grown up in a Christian home and and having that faith as a child, because it gave me a really good foundation to work from. It was kind of like I could just pick back up where I left off, but it was with the added bonus of knowing it myself and it being my choice and just being able to experience God's love and goodness in its fullness. I'm so thankful for all of the church camps and prayers and church experience that I had when I was young, because without that I don't know if I would have ever found Jesus or how long it would have taken. But like I said earlier, because I had that foundation when the barrier was gone and my heart was softened, I was just so open to receive and to come home. So life after coming back to Jesus, I've had season serving in Kids Church. I was running my own life group for a while. I've been a youth leader for the past nine months and I've been serving on the welcome team and so many other areas in church where I can serve. And I won't babble on for too long about what the ins and outs of my life has been like since becoming a Christian again. And maybe it's something I'll speak more about in another episode with how I started to reestablish my faith and grow closer to God and and hearing God's voice, I think that would be a really cool episode in itself. But I have grown and matured in my faith every single month and I have no plan on stopping. I'm just running after Jesus and my walk with him looked very different two years ago than what it did now, even a year ago and even a few months ago as well. But the more we seek Jesus, the more we grow and the more we become like him. And one verse that really sums it up for me is Matthew 5, 6, which says, blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be filled. And when you seek God, you will find him. When you hunger and thirst for righteousness and to know him, you will grow and mature in your faith every day. And it has been the biggest blessing for me to come back to Christ and just see that transformative work inside me. And I I am in a place where I am just filled with so much, so much joy and purpose and hope. And I would never in a million years trade anything in the world for this eternal joy that I feel right now. So yeah, it's 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 been a journey and there were some really hard years in there, but I have completely forgotten about all of that or it doesn't make up my identity now. It's something that happened years and years ago, but my identity now, like how I spoke about in my baptism, is in Christ. Through him, I find my purpose, my hope, my future. He gives me love and life and being able to serve him and run after him and share that with other people is such an incredible blessing. So it's been quite the process for me, but there are a couple of key points or lessons that I have learned along the way that I would really love to share with you. So the first point is just to say that the joy you receive in the Lord is like nothing else. We can spend our whole lives searching for something to fill that hole inside of us. And whether it's drinking, drugs, sex, money, cars, gambling, anything else, we will never, ever, ever 
fill that hole without Jesus. And I know it seems like a super corny Christian thing to say, but it's true. And I have never felt more joy in my life than what I do right now. And this doesn't mean I'm happy all the time. I still have bad days and I'm actively working through some areas in my life uh, that I still struggle with, but I have a peace that surpasses all understanding and the joy of the Lord. And biblical joy is a perpetual gladness of the heart that comes from knowing, experiencing, and trusting Jesus. And I just want to encourage you that if you feel lost, alone, hurt, or just empty right now, that there is hope and there is joy in Jesus. Reach out to me, chat to someone in your life who's a Christian, or find a local church around you if you're wanting to know more and see what the whole gospel message is and who Jesus is and God and all of that because it's the best thing you will ever do. The second point is that life doesn't stop or get boring after coming to Jesus. Sometimes it can be really easy to think, oh, well, Christians aren't fun. They don't drink. They don't party. They wait till marriage to have sex. They just go to church on Sundays and read the Bible. And while I get that, and there's certainly truth in that statement, life is so much more fulfilling when you have Christ. You have a purpose and you step into what God has called you to. It's no longer about busting your gut to try to make your way to the top of this world. You no longer have to chase getting the next promotion, the best job, the hottest girlfriend or boyfriend, having the nicest car, or getting a big property portfolio so you can be wealthy and have all these houses. Your focus changes from the material in this temporary world to the eternal, and this sets you free like nothing else ever will. So your focus just changes, but it changes for the better. Another lesson I have learned is about pride. Now, we can do whatever we want, and we can live however we want, and God will never force us to choose him. We do ultimately have free will in whether we choose to follow him or not. And pride is the biggest blocker that you will experience in coming to Christ and living your life without him. So unless you are ready and willing to surrender and come under his authority, you won't make it and you won't be able to have that personal relationship with Jesus because he is the authority. We come under him and we submit to him. And when we are prideful, we put ourselves above God and we think, and assume that we know best. And and the biggest blessing of being a Christian that I found is that we come under his guidance and covering and we don't have to be responsible for knowing and doing everything ourselves. It takes off so much pressure and we get to go, God, I love you. I worship you. I honor you. I put you in the place that you rightfully deserve. And I would really just encourage you to check your heart. Do you think that you know better than God? And if you do, know that until you're willing to submit, you won't be able to step into the fullness and grace of his mercy. So check yourself with pride. It's something that I constantly have to check myself uh, again as well. And it is something that naturally as humans with our fallen sin nature, we will struggle with. But yeah, like I said, really encourage you just check your heart, see where you are with that. And the final point I'll make, even though there are many, many more that I could do, is just to seek his presence and rest in him. Psalm 37, 7 says to rest in the Lord and wait patiently for him. And the Hebrew word here translated to rest means to be at peace or to be still. And I'm not talking about a rest where you spend all day in bed to gather your strength, but this is a spiritual rest from worry, from stress and the anxieties of this world. 
we're not going to be immune to the troubles and trials of lives as Christians and the Bible never promises that, but we will have the peace of God and his presence to bring us through it. We can trust in him knowing that one day we will have final and eternal rest in heaven. God is sovereign and in control of our lives, our purpose and over every enemy that we face. God has won the battle. He has won the battle through the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So rest in him, trust, and know that he is a good and faithful God who cherishes you more than anything. And two last points that I want to finish with as well is just my message to anyone who was where I was at that time. And to you, I would just say that I get it. I know where you've been and it's such a lonely place to be. Even though you're searching, you will never find what you're looking for without Jesus. Know that you are worthy, you are loved, you are cherished, and you are a precious child of God. And he paid the price. He purchased you for the highest price with Jesus' blood. In Romans 8, 38 to 39 says, For I am sure that neither life nor death, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Jesus Christ our Lord. Know that you are so loved by God and nothing will ever separate you from that. But it's your choice and your opportunity to step into that. It's hard and unknown, but it is so worth it. And you don't have to have it all figured out. I didn't and I still don't. Not many of us do or probably not any of us do. But all it takes is one step of faith to start that journey and God will meet you and guide you as you go. I promise you that. And the joy you experience is like nothing else. And maybe most of you listening are Christians and that's great. But if there is anyone listening who isn't a Christian or maybe it's something that you walked away from a long time ago, please just reach out to me if you have questions or want to chat and just have someone to talk to. I'd love to speak with you more about where you're at right now and just be a listening ear. I love you and I want the best for you and just know that God's grace and mercy will cover you. Choosing to follow Jesus is the best thing that you could ever possibly do. And I hope that sharing my testimony has been beneficial for you. I'm so thankful for the work that Jesus has done in my life and I want to share this with other people, whether it's just to encourage them in their faith walk or whether it's providing a light at the end of the tunnel for anyone who just feels stuck in sin and darkness or maybe it's just helping you to know that you aren't alone in all of this and I'm so excited for the coming years and I can't wait to see where God guides me and and takes this podcast and I'm just in a place in my life at the moment where I genuinely feel so happy and so free and being able to step into God's calling for me and start this has been such a huge blessing and I hope you have been blessed by it so far too. I look forward to seeing how God can use me to reach people and encourage people and I'm so glad that you're here on this journey with me too so thank you and as usual I would love to wrap up with a prayer before we go so thank you God for the opportunity to share my testimony with everyone listening thank you for bringing me out of a place where I was separated from you and I thank you for the incredible sacrifice of Jesus on the cross that allows us to be made right with you thank you that you never leave us where we are but you give us a hope and a future and a purpose I pray and lift up everyone listening to this episode right now and I ask that you would just meet them where they're at. Whether they know you or not, I pray for a soft heart and an open mind to receive you. Help us to seek you out in everything that we do. Thank you, God, for who you are. We love you and we praise you for all of our days. And I pray that in Jesus' mighty, mighty name. 
Amen. Thank you so much for tuning in to our fifth Hallelujah podcast episode, Sharing My Testimony. My hope and prayer is that I will always be able to point you to Jesus and that you will leave feeling encouraged, equipped, inspired, and ready to go out and be salt and light in this world. Don't forget to follow and leave us a five-star review if you like our content. So if you haven't already, stop now, go and do that because it really helps to get the good news out and to reach more people, especially when I'm just starting out. I'll leave all the links to my website and other resources in the description. So make sure you go over to Instagram at Hallelujah Podcast to keep up to date with our recent posts, new episodes and other news. Thanks for tuning in to the Hallelujah Podcast and I'll see you next time. Hallelujah.